Hello, this is the 55-1 podcast. Hi, everybody. How are you feeling at home, in your cars? I'm joined by Rodrigo Sanchez-Cheveria, the professor, El Profe, as I have always called him since today, um, Mark Fangmeyer, and then uh, we've got him back. We've got, uh, yet again, Corey got the national team call-up to the Daily. He's on. Uh, he's making uh, all the hmms happen this week uh, with the Daily. So we brought in our, our favorite uh, um, guy who's on, you know, we sent him on loan to Philadelphia. He's been really working up minutes. He gets another call back after trolling the shit of the American and Canadian soccer fan bases. Alex Schieferdecker, how are you, man? I'm doing well. I enjoyed my weekend as a uh, a character in the rich pageant of Major League Soccer. Yeah, well, you... you pretty t- much like the podcast version of Hassani Dotson. Really? Explain. More and more people are saying that. Uh-huh. Just comes off the bench and just mm. blows everyone away. Yep. And the gaffer won't give you many call-ups, mostly because Hassani Dotson won't join Slack. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, hello, everyone. Uh, we have uh, we've got some signing news. We got uh, we've got uh, Nico Umbap Hansen to to announce. Um, we've got uh, a. A big watch that came out of nowhere, Wanchope watch, which we're going to talk about in the second segment. Um, we've got just to, to fo- focus ourselves on Minnesota United stuff. We've got a few big questions that we're going to hit, mainly around Hassani because he's big in the news. And then, of course, Robin Lud. Who, who else could we talk about? <laughs> the other news is um, Dinamo Zagreb, who uh, apparently played Tottenham this week. But before that game, their head coach, Zoran Mamic, um, was sentenced to... F- I think it was five years in prison for embezzling money. And um, I was really hoping, because he had like eight days before he went to prison, I was really hoping his last gasp would be to head coach uh, against Spurs. And then then they'd like shackle him on the on the pitch, right? That's his last thing. But instead he uh he quit his job and then uh and then the team went on to just completely kick the shit out of uh Tottenham. So there we go. Have fun in jail, buddy. Forward Medicine's uh, schedule is out, so that means road trips. Um, their first game is away. Um, right. no, Are you someone's right. talking now? It's not just me on this podcast. Yeah, I, 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 mean, <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh, I'll, I'll do. Um, uh, they have pre-recorded messages that you have put out somewhere out there. Vacation, I'm on vacation. All right, yeah, so road, road trips. trips. Their first away game is in Tucson uh, on May eighth, but their first home game. May 15th to North Carolina FC, which is um, uh, Connor Tobin's former team. Uh, yeah. They are now down in USL 1. And um, uh, Nick Platter, former goalkeeper of the Minnesota Thunder, is an assistant coach for them. So it, that would be a kick-ass game to go to because I'm sure the party will be great. Um, uh, are, are you still banned from halftime activities? No. No. In fact, I'm going to find out when Neil Lavity's father is back. <laughs> and I'm going to get Jeff Ruder to go out with me, and we're going to kick the shit out of them again. Have um, they announced, like, um, as far as fans go for this season yet? Any, like, any sort of policy as far as how many they're allowing and stuff? I, I don't know that. Um, thanks for not preparing for that question, so now I seem, feel like an idiot. Well, um, I mean, you're talking about going. I thought maybe you'd look into it. No, no, I'm, I'm too lazy for that. I was figuring out whose Airstream I'm going to drive out in. But um, I have friends that live a block away from the stadium. Ooh, well, then, cool. We're going. Yeah. Do your friends have a carpet I can yeah. sleep on? They do, and children too. So great. it'll be great. Loving, perfect. So uh, regardless, there's. I'm going to be at least making one or two trips out there this summer to watch them play. Probably not for that home opener, um, but uh, I know that there's a bunch of other people out there. So we definitely should get a caravan that goes out and just has a freaking party. Um, and then let's talk Minnesota sexy time alert. Um, I wish I had some sexy times music I could just th- throw on here. Um, that, it's something that, that was just my cat dying get taken much, yeah. <laughs> taken down by the uh, piracy police. Um, Jackson Ewell, Minnesotan, gets a goal. Hassani Dawson gets two. This is in uh, in the U twenty three, so it's the Olympic qualifying for the U.S. team. They were playing um, first. They played Costa Rica, and then. Last night, so Sunday night of this week, 
they played uh, Dominican Republic and just nothing happened for the first half. And then you put Hassani Dotson out there and the levy breaks. Um, Who knew the uh, Dominican Republic had a credible soccer team? Do they, though? They don't. News to I, me. I think they were that, decent again. I mean, they fell the over a lot. I, I, I think, think it, wasn't this like <laughs> the biggest tournament that any Dominican Republic soccer team has ever been in? Right. Well, that's they're on the up. Yeah. I think and they're not like, as baseball anymore. I mean, the, I mean, they're still baseball. Yeah, they look better than Honduras and El Salvador. So, so yeah, or I mean, did you see the um, Haiti uh, game? Haiti it was a Haiti after Honduras where um, half the team uh, didn't get there in time to do their COVID mm-hmm. protocol, and so therefore they had to start the game only playing with ten men. Their center back was their starting goalkeeper. And their head coach, I believe, was also out because he didn't get tested in time. So, like, yeah, it was uh, – and apparently it was all because of um, uh, planning. So they basically concaf themselves. Excellent. Yeah. And, um, well, yeah, uh, I mean, that was the highlight of – like, not the highlight, but I was like, oh, man, this is just – I mean, it, it wouldn't be a concaf tournament if something like this didn't happen. As well, not for whom the bell concacafs. The concacafs. Guys, you just – you just both talked over my brilliant. God damn I was it. quiet. That's what we're here for. I was listening attentively. Right. But no, I, I was I was really excited about <laughs> what? Uh no, I mean going back to like the what we're actually want to talk about, which is like the US uh you know, U twenty three national team. Yep. So uh, let's talk about the, like, the two games. We we're not gonna go super in depth, but we've got the Costa Rica game, we've got the Dominican Republic game. Yeah, like the Costa Rica game, we looked like dead. Like we looked like we have not played all um, winter. We and won, that, but it was a one nil. Yeah, and we and we got dominated too. Like we were just hanging on by a thread, and um, we. I mean, and it's understandable. Like I, I said last week, that none of the players on our team ha- are match fit whatsoever. They haven't played since you know November, and so. No, and all of, and like Costa Rica, eighty five percent of the Costa Rican team is uh, playing. You know, every week down uh, league play in Costa Rica right now, so it makes sense. And we looked tired, like we were hanging out by a thread. And until we made the subs uh, in the um, like sixty or seventieth minute or whatever um, in the um, Dominican Republic game, even that we looked pretty tired. Like we were just. Lacking creativity, nothing was really going on. It yeah, lacking like, sharpness and real like venom. Uh, yeah, I, it I just looked like a team that was like, I mean, again, understandable. That was just getting their legs under them. Like they just didn't have it together. Like there was, there were like some simple passes that were just missed, and that, yeah, it just there wasn't any kind of crispness there whatsoever. Well, the nice thing is that um, they were tough games to win be- for that reason because of their their uh, fitness and the dr. I mean, it is not easy to create when their entire team is smashed within twenty yards, and it's all around yeah. their the top of their box. That that's not, it's, and they're falling down every time you look at them or blow kisses. So it it, it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't easy. And the great thing is they won those games, and that helps them get the fitness. Now they've got a Mexico game that doesn't quite matter, right? If they win, then they play. They win or lose, no matter what. They kind of play. The um, basically it's either Haiti or Canada. Am I right? Yeah, or El Salvador. Well, it depends. I don't even know who's winning on that side. Yeah, it, it depends on the game right now because Canada and Haiti tied zero zero. So el el clásico of El Salvador Honduras is what's going to going to determine pretty much who is the second team because I think Canada is on top. Um, but um, I mean, it's it's nice to cheer for an Achoa that isn't. Uh, Memo Ochoa, so that's yeah. nice because I, I I finally gave up on cheering cheering for Memo Ochoa after the whole disaster in the uh, in the in the league with uh, the whole drama where like he with LAFC and all the other like that whole game it was just it was just crazy just not wanting to watch them, um, and I I think overall I think it's just overall I think it's 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 interesting the way that they're trying to do things I think. That first game without Ochoa, the U.S. loses that game. He had nine saves, yeah. and and a lot of them were the fact that 
the U.S. is trying to play out the back and trying to get used to playing out the back with not having that many practices and, and turns. It, it's difficult, specifically when you have a Costa Rican team that will press you. And both teams fell into that trap and there were opportunities for both sides, but Costa Rica could easily have been up two goals the first 15 minutes and 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 Ochoa was was great in that aspect of it. And, and Dotson came in and, and was able to, you know, as Corey says, you know, create chaos, right? And was able to. He was the game changer. Yeah, he was the game changer. He changed his. Well, him and uh, who, it, it was his. It was his run number one that set up the first goal in the Costa Rica game, and then obviously, the record speaks for itself in the Dominican Republic game. I mean, he. Uh, other folks have been saying he was the best player on the U.S. team, and I think that that's probably close to correct. He, he's been excellent. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, I mean it was it was fantastic watching Jackson Ewell get get the the goal. Although, if he had if he had uh, cut his teeth at Minnesota United and learned under Ibsen, he would never have hit that with the outside of his right boot. He would have backheeled that with his left foot. But you know, San Jose they don't teach those things. Um, so it was great to watch Minnesota kid do so well. I think um, Ewell has been you know he was not used in the right position maybe in that second game, but it's. Great to watch how good he is, um, how solid he is. And then, yeah, Hassani Dotson. I mean, the, the banger level was on the lower level of banger, but he only scores them. So, yeah, the accuracy on the first shot was was pretty impressive. The fact that it was a quick shot, but it was accurate and low, that's, that's what you're looking to do. And then the second one is just, you know, being there for the for the overlapping run and just taking that ball and just you know, which is something first that first touch was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, the first touch to back foot that made that made the ball go forward and set it up. That's exactly what you what you what you try to teach young kids is like a play pass the ball to the foot and always like try to pass it to back foot so that you're ready to be able to make you get that touch and you already are making your second move into open space and that was just beautiful play and I don't know who was the person that passed it to him. I think is that um it was a kid from uh, Chicago Mihalovic yeah like like really good forward so he's 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 on the up and up and and forwards for Chicago so if Chicago figures out his midfield a little better that could no, be he's, something. he's from Chicago got traded to Montreal last year Oh okay that's what it was all right Chicago kid he and Mason Toy will figure it out so the US now has um Mexico um on Wednesday 8:30 p.m. The semifinal then, depending on where where they end up, that's going to be on Sunday. All they have to do, so to, to get into the Olympics, they need to win the semifinal. So the Mexico game is just, just depending on, tells them who they're going to play, and then they need to win that semifinal. And if they are one of the last two standing, then they're in the Olympics, which would be a pretty big accomplishment, um, especially since all of these guys are, many of them are very good. Some of them are less than good. And they're like the fifth string <laughs> U23 yeah. team. So and here's my question too: is like uh, with the Mexico game, what's the strategy? Do you rest your players against Mexico since that match doesn't really even matter? Because it, it's, it's the weirdest tournament. How who, who is the, the coach? semifinals are winner go home? Jason and then, yeah, Jason. Do you think Jason Christ is not going to want to win? Try to take out Mexico and Mexico. There mm. might be one or two people who he's who he's watching right. that he like. He holds them back, but like I could go see all out. But you have to you, if you want to have like a a winning culture and mentality, yeah. right? You can't just like I'm just thinking like Jackson especially Ewell, against your biggest rival. Like Jackson Ewell, like started and played all 90 minutes of both matches. So maybe have him come on as a sub or something. Rest him a little bit just so he's ready to go for sure. the but match if he's that fit, matters. You know, I mean, Dot. Christ said Dotson was the fittest coming into the the team, which is great to hear, and. You know, so put Dotson out there. If he's feeling fit, then you know Wednesday, Sunday is not crazy. I mean, so. I mean, the, the key to the United States is is that midfield. So if you put Jewel in the middle, the six, and you put Dotson on the wing, and then you and then you put um, let's see, um, who would be well, Salcedo would be up, I think, and then um, trying to think of one of the the left wingers, but you put something. I, I just don't think if you. If you take out Jackson Jewel, I don't. I, I just wouldn't rest. It's just like play, it's just like playing a just the keeper, right? If you start with the keeper, 
and he's doing okay, you don't want to take him out, right? You just don't want to mess around with the keeper. I wouldn't want to mess around with with the chemistry that's going on right now. If if you need to step one out and it's not working, then you do it then. But like, if you're gonna go all out, you gotta have the best the the best eleven that you can. Okay. On that note, let's take a break. We will come back. We got some Minnesota United talk. Minnesota United, since we just got up the Sonny Dotson talk, and he's going to be a big part of this. I mean, you know, that could have—I I whiffed on that transition, didn't I? Well, let's just uh, let's do it. We were going to go with the fire, but Minnesota, you get the honors now. And we start with your haiku. I struggled here. I struggled so much, and I know West Berdine is just going to roast me. I, right. I, I just—I felt that the loons had a fan base that would mm-hmm. feel very uh, strongly about the quality of this prose. So here's no Minnesota prose. United. Poetry. Yeah, it's not prose. Babello the God. Haiku. Looking for doubters, a number nine, MLS.com. That's where the rumors are. That's where the doubters are. That was not my best work. Don't give me that face, Dave. I'm so, so well, sorry. I appreciate it because Rodrigo Sanchez-Javaria, who's yeah, a manager, he, there wasn't a good who came at me in, on Twitter like and said cadence, that he liked you right? more, is, I think, a poet, uh, a professor of poetry. So oh. now you're off and I'm back on top. So I We don't know that. that. We don't know that. We don't know what his tastes are. All right, so um, oh. let's start there. We're back on the fifty-five-one podcast. Um, El Profe, uh, what, what do we make of uh, his poetry? It is not prose, uh, Andrew Weeby. It is not. It's a haiku, so it has to follow the five-seven-five. Like the original rule is, there has to be something about nature in it, but that rule has been overtaken. And, and well, as long as it falls with a five-seven-five, Babello is. I mean, can anyone be born nature, yeah. be of nature? What's that? And anyone who was ever born be of nature? Babello was never born. Oh, is he a god? He is a god. He actually said he was a god, wasn't yeah. he? You're right. I mean, Babello is, is el rey, right? His name is Reynoso, right? So, yeah. so, so um, what, what do we make of it, Rodrigo? Uh, are we ranking it at a one out of five or one no, out of just, ten? Like, tell, tell me what you think of it. I just, I just want I, your... I, I, mean, I mean, I applaud Andre Weeby, uh, Weeby on just trying... <laughs> Right, you know that 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 that's that's a you don't want to discourage people in um, when they're expressing themselves in the arts of poetry. I I think probably the best line would be the last one, right? And you want to have a a line that actually punches, right? You want to drive it through. But you know, I mean. I mean, it wasn't that good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, the last can, line is saves it. So, can yeah. I can I give you mine? This is my haiku. Oh, okay. Hold on. A big pod shout out. My real estate advice comes from Andrew Weeby. Wait, where was the second? Wait. Oh, so you read it all the way through. So you didn't yeah. pause for the second. I didn't pause. Or... I, want, I was giving it. No. Oh, okay. Okay. A big pod shout out. My, My real, real estate, estate advice, advice comes, comes from Andrew Weeby. Andrew Weeby. Okay, that's better. Um, I like the correlation between real estate and MLS.com and Andrew Weeby and the lack that he said MLS.com. So that that that's a plus, I think. Um, and a, a shout out is always always good to to get. Can I read you mine? Yeah, yeah, please, please. All right, Bebelo. El Rey. Believe in Lude, the false nine. MLS. Dotson. Yeah, see, that's why he's the professor. Yeah. Yeah. We just all got took to school. I, yeah, I definitely, you know, between us, when, when we go poetry, that's, that's Rodrigo. I, I, if we want early 20th century prose, that's, that's, that's when I come into this podcast. All right. So... Um, I, I thought actually people should go listen to extra time radio this week. Uh, obviously they're a way bigger podcaster than us. So, um, but I thought their discussion of Minnesota and, and their flaws, what they were going to do, what they should do was pretty spot on. Um, Kellen Carr, um, only had what he had one comment about, oh, Asani Dotson playing deeper. And I was just like, buddy, no, you haven't watched him enough. You just you're making that shit up. He's not a number six. 
Um, but uh, so Minnesota United News, they signed Nico Hansen, Nico Umbap Hansen, 26 year old. Tell me about him, uh, Mr. Fangmeyer. Uh, he's 26 years old, uh, primarily plays on the right wing, um, which means he's a perfect fit on the left for us. But he's a left, um, left footed player, do you know? I don't know. I'll actually. look him up. All right. Yeah, um, I don't know what foot he is. Um, but yeah, he was uh, taken ninth overall by the crew in the very famous 2017 MLS Super Draft, uh, where he, uh, the likes of Sonny Dotson, not Sonny Dotson, uh, um, uh, okay. Well, Abu Danladi. Abu Danladi. But but the thing is that Adrian Heath wanted to take Nico Hansen. He said yeah. this a couple of times that Hansen impressed them so much in the interview that Heath was like, he he was like, we we don't need to take Yule or we don't need to take Abobise or we don't need to take Danladi. We're gonna go with Nico Hansen. That's gonna be the shock number one pick. He said this more than once that that was what they were thinking of doing. I'm pretty sure I heard that too. Yeah, I, he's wanted this guy for a, many years. Uh, he's watched him all the way back in 2016. So I mean, he's been scouting him for a while. But uh, no, so we got him. Uh, basically, it was one of those weird things where he was a free. He was cut by Houston, but of course that means that since he hadn't played enough and wasn't old enough, he's still not a free agent. So we still, even though he wasn't playing for Houston. We had to give Houston some money. So we gave Houston um, 50,000 in GAM for 2021 and 75,000 in GAM from 2022. And um, we signed him to a two-year deal. So with an option for a third. So that's what's going on with him. Um, yeah, I guess I'm a little confused. Um, How much GAM and TAM do we have? Oh, Nobody knows. It's a complete mystery. It's yeah, like it's, it feels like it's just like a endless like bucket. But if you yeah. if you have Finley, um, you've got Lud, you've got Nico Hansen. I'm I'm kind of confused at how we're going to use him. Um, you know, obviously Lud will be gone for part of the summer, uh, so you 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 do need depth there. We don't have a lot of wing depth. We don't know if Justin. McMaster is going to be uh, an option for depth on the wing. So you do need to assemble these guys. So I guess, you know, we don't need to know right now how Nico Hansen's going to be used, but certainly it's, it's a very, um, eh, you know, maybe signing. And uh, does anyone have any positive or negative feelings about this or other than like, he's a player he scored against us, right? Yeah, he um back in October of this year he scored against us when Houston when we played Houston. So, um, no, he just kind of seems like a f- like if we had somebody who could play on the left, like who's actually a starting left winger, then it would feel better. In that, all right, we have a guy who primarily plays on the right. He, I mean, all last season he, he every um time that he played for Houston he played on the right wing. So yeah, I don't know. Hopefully this doesn't mean that we're planning on having Lude be our left winger and mm. gonna be Finley's backup. You know it. Cause no. But um I don't that's learn, I mean I don't mean, learn lessons here. No, we don't. But you can I mean it's it's fine. It's a good depth signing. Like he is a quality player. He's young. Um this is if, um, I was watching him uh I'll mute it. Watching this goal to gar Oh, it's a shit goal. Okay. So the goal he scored against us was a uh, Minota sets it up and he, he runs to the right. byline and he puts it in and uh, and the ball gets kind of knocked against Dane and then he just like taps it in. Okay. I, I was misremembering. I think it was another Nico Hansen goal I saw that was a very good goal. This was a shit goal he scored against us. Right. right, right. We had, but we had like Raheem Edwards doing those kind of second post runs and tapping the ball in type of thing too. So it's mm-hmm. like... Oh, is he going like, to be this year's Raheem Edwards? We're going to love him so. and be like, why isn't no. he playing? And then, yeah, he, no, he'll look really he, good in the first four Heath matches. Loves him. Heath loves him too much to do that. Yeah. So he's yeah. a Heath guy. He's going to play. But you'll play on the left. So there we go. Um, okay. So here's a question I want to ask for this segment. Um, we don't have much other news to talk about. So Hassani Dotson, fantastic game as this amazing eight 
who is kind of uh, playing in in you know next to another eight in that four three three with three men. You've got a holding uh, defensive midfielder and then two eights who are running forward, doing a lot of pressing, a lot of passing, and it's not quite in that ten hole of, of kind of. Uh, and playing as a as a playmaker there and, and sending people, but it is doing a lot of late running into the box. It's it's a very attacking role. The question is, where do we use Hassani Dotson? How do we get him on the field? Because obviously he is a rare thing for Minnesota United. We have a young player who is getting a lot of attention, who is obviously talented, and we've known that since you know the bangers start, started rolling in. How do we use him? Uh, someone jump in. Rodrigo, <laughs> go first. Where should he go? <laughs> um, so, look, like I know people don't like what I what I've said or I suggested, but right now the open slot with lots of time that no one's taken over yet, is, and it has been for this team has been since Molino left has been the left. So if you want to get him on the field, and if we all agree that his best position is to be on the field, um, when Molino played on that position, he didn't really stay on the left side. He gravitated towards in, and he was able to create chaos. If we're looking to create chaos at that attacking third, that that's a viable option, um, I say. I mean, if not, you're going to have to have him compete with... Um, with Gregush, and when Gregush leaves for um, international friendlies or competition, he'll he'll take in that spot. But um, but I feel that for me, like, like on the on the on the way that he's he's on the up and up, and he he needs to be in a position where he's on the field majority of the time. Like unless we're trying to do a Mason toy thing and eventually just sell him somewhere. So here's where I will entertain that. One is that we have seen him play as a left fullback um, and do a pretty good role there. Um, uh, and so obviously we know he's got the speed. He's got the stuff that he can do um, wide play. I don't think it's smart taking a player like that and trying to develop him in uh, as a long-term decision of developing him in now a new role, which is not left back, not right back not central midfield, but left uh, midfield. It may be that he has a role there. Um, obviously, he is very good defensively. He's got a fantastic engine. I think he could do a lot of helping of Chase Gasper if he's there. Um, and he can also get into the box. So I think that it's not a crazy idea. It is weird to be like, oh, well, our answer is going to be this guy who has never played this position and the U.S. doesn't want him to play in that position, etc. Um so that's where I come to it. I don't know if anyone else has has any thoughts on the left, or you I think wanna... of him. Oh well, I think of him a little bit like a little bit like a um a Western McKenna type player, um in that he you know he's he's got that energy. He makes very intelligent attacking runs, um and he you know he he can be a ball winner. Um, or I, I think he can at least. And uh, McKenny has played all over the field for Juve this year, including on that left midfield role. So I think that there is a, I think that there is a precedent for for a player who has that kind of capability. And it's not like the Loons have a better answer at left wing at the moment. Um, so I mean, if the season started today, I think I agree with Rodrigo. Hassani is his best on the field, and. Um, I would be happy to see him in that role. I tend to agree in that if the season starts today, uh, Dotson on the left is our best worst option on the left. Like we we have nothing but bad options on the left. We have either Lude, who is better on the right, or we have uh, you know Hansen, who we just signed, who plays on the right, or we have you know our uh, a number eight central midfielder who we can put on the left wing as well. I just don't see it as being, I see if putting him on the left would be a waste of all of the depth signings that we made this year, because we made our depth signings in our fullback. We added Will Trapp. Uh, we have 
so he's not playing he's not playing fullback anymore. He doesn't need to play the six role anymore. He can focus on what he's good at, which is playing centrally as an eight. And I but think we don't as have we a saw role for him, man. I know, but here's the thing: as we saw in the um, like in the last couple of games, like, and um, Jason Christ was totally right, and that like he could play forward more and less defensive. Than he, he plays pretty defensive for Minnesota, and he can play forward more. So I could see him being because honestly, like the um, the way the season is going to start, we're starting the season a month and a half later. We're going to probably try to squeeze in a 34. We haven't seen the full schedule. A 34. Uh, game season in this compressed field, plus with Euros going and everything, Adrian Heath is gonna have to finally rotate his squad. He can't just start the same. His buddy, his that's that's I, I, hey, no, 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 I know, but I mean, so like, keep digging that hole, man. I'm I, loving this right now. No, it's, bring me to your I, magic world. Send, no, can you, like, can you send I, I um, mushrooms like, over Zoom? I feel like when we brought in the depth. It was finally Adrian Heath saying, oh, yeah, we can't just play the same fullbacks and run them ragged up and down the sidelines every single game when we're playing three games every eight, eight uh, days. We can't do it. And so, like, and I could see him as a sign coming in as a starting, like, a Wednesday start in place of Grey Goose or on a weekend coming in and being the sub that comes in for Bebelo. And he can be that kind of attacking figure in the middle as well. So I, that's where I see him getting his minutes. But as far as having him on the left wing, I think that's a terrible idea because our top scorer was our left winger. And, I, and if we're replacing our top scorer with Hussani Dotson, I love Dotson, but that's a definite downgrade. I don't think that's going to help us at all. So I, I would much prefer him being in like the super sub role or like weekday okay. starter in the central instead. But, but where's your data that, that Dotson is bad at the left wing if he hasn't played? There the is none wing? because never, exactly, exactly. That he, That's what I'm saying. We I have also ages, don't know. That, I also ages, don't know that Dotson isn't a fantastic goalkeeper. Let me, but let I me, don't um, think we should start him at goalkeeper. Let me, let me respond. Hold your breath. Make a wish. Count to three. Come with me and you'll be in a world of your imagination take a look and you'll see into your imagination pure imagination anyway that song's awesome i should just play that and we'll just play out the the rest of the pod um move off for big quarters <laughs> yeah don't do that so um I think uh, I, I think the other question that we need to really think about, and this is, um, I'll bring this up for uh, for Shreppel's sake. Uh, Corey also now believes that it's the Pennsylvania SH uh, beginning thing that now it's you know there cannot be Shreppel or Schieffer Decker just or both on the pod. It, it's either one or the other. Um, Corey wants to talk about a three-man midfield with the four-three-three, similar to what we saw last night, right? Bebelo obviously plays a way different role um, than any of the players on the U.S. team because he's good. Um, but um, if you imagine Ozzy sitting back, Gregush does not sit back. He goes forward, not quite as much and energetically as Hassani Dotson. You've got uh, Robin Lud on the right, or maybe Robin Lud is the, the false nine. We'll talk about that later. You've got Finley maybe on the right, Robin Luda's false nine, Bebelo kind of moving wherever the hell he wants. What that allows you to do is it allows Bebelo to move off the left and you've got uh, Hassani Dotson helping it out your left back. It allows you to do a lot of pressing, turning over the ball, and a lot of letting those, those attacking players who want to move a lot get out of there. And... They don't have to, you know, Hassani Dots and Gregus are not staying really central. It's an option. The 4-3-3 has never worked for Minnesota United. But it is an option, and you could imagine the team setting up differently and trying to make it work in a way they haven't been able to before. That's a hard no for me. <laughs> okay. But, uh, no, it's like I was just went th- because here's the thing. Um there's two reasons why I really hate that idea. The first is historically. Two reasons I want to punch you in the face right now. <laughs> exactly. Listen up. The One, first is history face. in that um, 
historically, whenever we've played a 4-3-3, we play terrible, and it's just boring, boring soccer to watch. It's terrible soccer to watch. And I don't want to watch boring soccer. And two, and this is my principle, is that we have found our marquee player who is going to, like, who is the playmaker, and we've paid a lot of money for him, brought him in. He is a playmaker number 10, all right? We've seen what he can do. Like, I mean, last year, in all of the matches that he started, we lost two. And those two losses were against the eventual MLS Cup winners and the MLS Cup runner-up. So, and those are only two losses when he has started. And it's in that formation. You don't adjust your formation to fit in your backup central midfielder. That's just a bad idea. And if you, I, I actually went through and did a whole bunch of research on the like 41 times in the last two okay, years. Okay, now we've got to take a break. Yeah. If, if you want me to tell you all about the – in the last two years, we've played a 4 2 3, one, 41 times. And also in the last two years, we've played a 4 3, three 11 times. And I can tell you all the stats – about why we're terrible in a four three three compared to a four mute two three one. Once. Mute him. No, but, I, uh, I think it's uh, a good point. So, yeah, I mean four three three. Yeah, I just don't. I like having more attackers, and that formation to have more attackers. I think the four three three works to a certain stream, but um, I think we could we could try it. Especially Bebelo with Reynoso in there. There's different things. Every time we, I think we tried it, we we, we didn't have him on there. We didn't play a 4-3-3 this past year, did we, Mark? We did. Oh, let me times. just tell you what games we, we did. Um, in this last year, in uh, the in 2020, we played a 4-3-3 against Cincinnati in October. Uh, in, against in September against RSL and Houston um, in uh, August against Sporting Kansas City, Orlando, and San Jose. Uh, and yeah, so we played one, two, three, we won four, one of those, six. right? Um, yeah, we were. Which were those? Was that before we beat or after San Jose and Cincinnati in a four three three? Yeah, Cincinnati because they're terrible. San Jose because it really we got their number, situation. baby. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and then we yeah we were uh, two three and one as a four three three last year. I only brought okay. it up because I wanted to discuss it. I think you're right. Uh, I I do think it, it it's like an option that could work for a for a particular night. Um, you know, if there's a team that we really want to gum things up and kind of fuck with the midfield, that might work. Um, I want to move on to watch talk. Are you ready for some watches? We only have one. Uh well, I'm always ready for watches. Okay. Wes. give me some give me some one chope watch. Oh man, this blew up uh, out of nowhere. As all Boker. Rumors are, but um, yeah, Wanchopi was with Roman. Ab- I, I believe uh, it's Abila. Abila, yeah, Roman Abila. A- accents, accents matter. So, thirty-one-year-old uh, striker from Boca Juniors. Um, he is actually one of their most like prolific kind of scores. I, he has a um goals per ninety of point eight one, or yeah, point eight one goals per ninety. That, that uh, was, expect- so that's in that's in um. Uh, the last year, like year, he yeah. he was the best goal scorer in the last year. But that was with the caveat that that section was the highest goal scorer in that section with six goals, which is right. Good. And also, he is has a huge history of injuries. Like every about three or four months, he is out for about two months with an injury. We should say that he is um, sounds like a Minnesota player yeah, already. Bring him in, mm-hmm. bring in that striker. He's they're wanting to bring him in on loan. Uh, Boca wants a. A purchase agreement on the end of that, an option for a purchase, which is kind of, uh, right. you know, a, a, yeah. usual, a very really common thing anyway. So it, it started all with like Minnesota offering a, as they do usually, a loan to to purchase. No, they started it, off. Apparently, they started with a um, offer of just a loan, like not even like a purchase option. Oh, okay, just a loan. And somehow uh, Boca was upset about like the loan period and everything. And then uh, eventually Minnesota, I, don't, I think they might have come back with a um, uh, offer of a loan with a purchase option at the end of the season. And 
Boca were upset about it. And then apparently Boca has counteroffered and said, um, they haven't said what the figure is as far goes as what their counteroffering is, but it would be a loan with a purchase option. And the loan would be through uh, December of this year of 2021. 2021. So, so as, um, as someone who doesn't, I, so I don't watch obviously a lot of Argentinian or um, read any Argentinian. My reading from going through the Y Scout report, which we started getting Y Scout record, reports because of our Patreons. Thanks for supporting us. Thank you. He, my reading of him and reading his stats and trying to read his style of play is that he is a finisher. He's a short guy. He's five foot eight. His goals are, are scored pretty close to the spot. He, you know, doesn't get a lot of pressing recoveries. You know, he's not a great pressing forward. He doesn't have a lot of dribbles, duels, uh, etc. He doesn't get a lot of touches in. Like when he scores, he has 15 to 20 passes. In games where he doesn't, he has nine passes, right? So so that's the the style of play of that that guy. And you can imagine, right? We've seen that. Luis Amarillo was not going to be that kind of guy. He was going to come back a little bit and play a bit more with his feet. This guy is going to be more of a fox in the box, which I, right? If you imagine a fictional world where you've got Lude on the right, Bebelo, some sort of um, decent uh, left winger, that, that seems like a pretty good situation of the guy you want in there, right? Everyone creating stuff, them pushing in, he's in the box and he gets his foot on top of it or head or whatever. Yeah, he kind of sounds like uh, in that Adrian Heath interview where he talked about uh, Christian Ramirez's style a couple months ago. He kind of fits that style like to a T. Of like, I would say Ramirez gets a lot more touches than that, though. T- tends to, um, in that Ramirez wants to play with his feet. But you're right, Ramirez doesn't come deep uh, the way that Amaria did. Right. Yeah, and that's exactly. And I think that's exactly what we need. Is like we just need someone who is has the like technical skills to just make a run and no and make the runs that Babelo is expecting and can just put it on your foot and just tap it in. Like I think that's exactly what we need. We, we just need someone who's clinical in making the right runs. And if that's this guy, I mean I'm fine with it so long as like like it would be terrible if it, if he was um a DP and we had to use a DP spot on him. If we could get him on a TAM deal, which as LA Galaxy has proven even if you sign a DP on loan from Boca Juniors, they only count as a TAM. It's so a, it's, it's fine. special, the Boca rule. Yeah. Yep, this is a special LA Galaxy Boca rule. We yeah. didn't so, get that deal with us. Boca, Boca. By the way. <laughs> so, no, no, please, he wasn't on, he wasn't on loan. If you, it has to be on loan and it's only for one year, which I think will work out. And so like, yeah, if the only thing that would bother me with this is that if we would miss out on signing an actual like younger striker who is actually a long-term solution because we've been doing like the piecemeal, like a new striker every year or two or three new strikers every year. And it would be much nicer to get someone who is more of a long-term solution. Uh, but again, this guy is going to be out. electrocuted in a, in a bathtub, like a spinal tap drummer. Um, <laughs> True. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think, uh, uh, look, I'm not speaking for the team because I have no idea what anyone's thinking, but I can't imagine anyone in this team is like, oh, this 31-year-old striker with a history of uh, injuries is a, is a good long-term solution here. But, you know, if you've got something, you get him, and I'm sure there's other uh, targets. Maybe Hunu is still a target. Um, you bring Hunu and him in, hey, that's a pretty good setup. Yeah, put Hunu on the left wing. We're set. Oh, Jesus. oh my god. Um, so anything what, else? What is his asking price though? Like I know like he went to Crusader for four years on a four million dollar transfer. So is is what is his value at like uh, for thirty how about how much would you pay for a Boca Juniors thirty one year old ten to like what are you talking? Two mil? Two three mil? mil? Yes. That's a the, mil? That's right? the range I would have with my billion dollars. Specifically for a short term, right? Because if he would come, he'd come now. And well, then... no, I, I mean, ideally, you would just... I mean, he's not playing right now. And apparently, there's, there are no plans to play him whatsoever at Boca. So, and I don't know what his salary is. But if his salary is below the whatever uh, TAM level like is, I, 
with buying down was at 1.5 million something 1.3 somewhere around there yeah whatever that is if he's in that range and you can bring him in so that he doesn't screw up with the you know the transfer value and the combination all the stupid math you have to do for a dp if we give him a tam thing i think he'd be perfect as for this year but i mean right. as you're still looking for a striker right yeah no, and, and, bring him in you keep you keep yeah. looking for a striker and he's not playing he's not he apparently he's fully healthy now but he's not playing because he's not really in the cards for uh boca right now right. and if you bring him in um transfer markets are really going to open up this summer because there's just um a big reluctance from all of the kind of like big teams cuz it's it's a buyers market right now where all the prices on teams are low everyone knows that like teams are struggling because of the pandemic and once you see France, what teams are from what I've been told, France is not the fire sale that I, I that we've been making it up to. That, that the <laughs> oh, French, one, French, French teams Liga, are in um. trouble, but apparently they have not discussed not. Uh, yeah, yeah not no, but like once prices. you figure out like what teams are going to be like are being regular right regulated, mm-hmm. mount up uh, regulators, <laughs> right? Uh, relegated and whatnot, and like mm-hmm. that'll become a little bit more clear right. in the summer, and then that'll maybe be when there's better times, yeah. but it to buy. But if not, like. He's fine for a year. It's mm-hmm. fine. And he, I mean, might, I, he might be really, really good for a year. I mean, I think it adds on this whole, like, him not playing also adds on to the drama as, as the rumors are coming out of, like, um, Argentina that he's asking for this transfer, for them to accept it. And I think it was, like, some of the other rumors were, like, he had, like, if if Ramon Avila or Juan Chope came in to the book office and brought his walking papers today, then they would they would try to approve the transfer as soon as possible because he currently is not he currently understands that he's not in the sights of uh the starting eleven anytime soon. So I mean it, it that's how it picked up so fast. That's why the counter offer came out and we'll see if Minnesota does anything with that or if it continues to be an ongoing dilemma until the middle of our season and we get another Argentinian halfway through who yeah, well, Mark Watson's got to visit his uh, Malbec uh, grape farm uh, somehow. His vineyard, not a grape farm. It's a cult of vineyard. And that, um, <laughs> All right, I'm going to take I a mean, break. technically, it's a grape farm, yeah, so yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. you're not wrong. Um, but also the carniceria where he buys all the asado to make, you know. Do you think he does, or do, do you think that he just goes to, like, Taco Bell? Is it even a Taco Bell in Argentina? I don't know. It'd be great if there was one. That'd be I mean, awesome. like I know there was a there at one point there was a McDonald's in Bolivia and Bolivia eventually kicked them out. Oh. But mm-hmm. all right, I'm gonna take a break and we'll come back. We got some uh, Twitter questions. We're gonna talk about some stadium talk so we can grill Schiefer Decker. <laughs> Welcome back to the 551 podcast. We're going to talk about questions that you have. This one comes from Colin Solberg. I have a pod hypothetical. Number one, sign a DP left winger, but Lud starts all season as a uh, as a false nine. Or two, sign a Tam striker, but Lud starts as a left wing all season. Which is the preferred option? It's obviously number one. Yeah, number one. Number uno. In the playoffs yeah. with number one. I, so, I yes. think... There's a legit world where we don't have a uh, a great strike option this year. We have Agadello and he's fine, but we start with Lud, and I think we could actually be pretty good that way. I'd much rather take Lud in that role than on the left wing. And in this scenario, yeah, get a left winger. We can put Lud there. I, I think I'm very happy. Anyone disagree? No, I'd be happy with um, Agudela on the left wing. Okay. Now, we've solved that. Alex Schieferdecker, you created, uh, you know, I think most listeners of this podcast know that you are a, um, what's your gig? You're just a city person guy, planner? City planner. City planner. There we go. Um, You love infrastructure. It is your thing. Uh, You have made like 10 million maps of what you imagine the Twin Cities uh, transit to look like. And then you did this thing where you decided to rank the stadiums of each MLS club based on four categories. The first, uh, actually, you tell me the categories because I want you to explain what you mean by each category. So uh, location. So meaning like what's the surrounding area like? Um, meaning like 
Is it in then, off, like, off in is the, the suburbs? Na- is it in the middle of the city? Right. Is it surrounded by just a bunch of parking lots and and you know uh, random houses, or is it soccer in bar the middle across of a, the street? Does yeah, right? The is there a legendary soccer bar across the street? Exactly. That's what Herta Berlin called it. So that's that's one location. Uh, the other, uh, second is accessibility, which is how can how easy is it to get to the stadium, um, and how easy is it to get to the stadium? Not just in terms of like driving distance from city hall, but like can you get there? via different modes. Can you walk there from a lot of places? Can you bike there from a lot of places? Can you take especially transit because transit is so useful for, for big crowds? Uh, then there's the building itself. Like, is it architecturally interesting? Does it tick a lot of the boxes for a soccer-specific stadium? Uh, and then the atmosphere, which is sort of an intangible, but like, you know, what's the game day experience like? Is it full of fans? Is it a good atmosphere? Does it come through in person and on TV? Or is it not a good atmosphere? So, so why is the you, four, four why categories? Why do you hate Minnesota and Allianz Field and Cloud City so much? That's the first. A lot question. of people ask me that question about their teams. Yeah. Uh, and the answer is, I, I, I don't hate them. I just I tried to rank things fairly. When you went through, but, was uh, there any surprises that you got to once you like fully evaluated and kind of looked it over? I think it really dawned on me how bad a situation of the uh, Avaya Stadium. It's not Avaya Stadium anymore because they've lost their sponsor. San Jose. Um, but the San Jose Earthquake Stadium. I mean, uh, the position, like where it is, just kind of sucks. And it, it, obviously, it's not a great stadium. It's got one big open end. It doesn't it's got have the a, largest outdoor it's basically the last on the planet. Yes, the, in North America. In North but, America. But, 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 but it has... It has, the, it has what about last... how you can drive cars into it and they can honk their <laughs> horn? Yeah, that's true. That's true. You hadn't thought I think about it's the that, last... did you? There is no stadium that will ever be built in MLS again that doesn't have a dedicated supporter section. Like, it's the last one that, to build like that um, w- without that kind of that kind of feature. Yeah. And I guess it's also striking to me, like, some of the new stadiums, like Nashville's, Stadium. I mean, the location is terrible. It, mm. There's nothing around it. I mean, you think about Nashville, you think about Broadway and the bars and the bachelorette parties and everything else. But this, where they're placing the stadium, is in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it it really has got nothing going for it. And a bunch of people from Austin were trying to convince me that putting their stadium in the middle of like uh, suburban multifamily housing and industrial parks is like a masterstroke because. If you walk 20, 20 minutes over a couple deadly roads, you can get to a couple breweries, and I was not convinced. I mean, some of these new newer stadiums are not not the model of MLS that everyone sort of talked about, where like you have to build it in the city center, you have to, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, that they that got Austin, away from that a little bit. That Austin Stadium is is way out there. I mean, that's yeah. Um, so here are the questions. Um, which fan base was the were the biggest whiners about it? Because you, you what's great about this is I actually retweeted it twice because I wanted it to get as much. <laughs> I wanted you to get as much hate out there, and like, and I think Matt Doyle retweeted it. So it, it, you got you got some people in your menchies. Um, yes. So tell me about who was who was the uh, Brandon DePellis wants to know which fan base was the most offended, which was the most apathetic. I guess you probably didn't well, get te- uh, messages from some groups. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think that I think that the the top four uh, most irritating online ML fan bases is pretty well established, and I bet if. You ask Doyle or Jeff Ruder or someone, you know, someone else who gets a lot of commentary. I bet they would say this, the same four teams. It, it's definitely Seattle, Atlanta, uh, Cincinnati, and Orlando. Cincinnati um, and Orlando, and Cincinnati surprises well, me. And but. and I think I think you can see a theme there, which is that you had two teams, which basically were good from the start, and are really unused to being told they're not special or you know. Who are just sort of, you know, if 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 you, you can't say anything bad about Seattle or Atlanta, or their fans will just 
because they're you know God's gift to American soccer. And then and then the two other teams on the on the reverse side, Cincinnati and Orlando, both came into the league. They were like kings of the USL when they when they left that league. And they were they had great fan bases, and then they were terrible to start. I mean, Cincinnati like record setting bad performance in Orlando, like just couldn't make the playoffs for beans. So I think, I think that there is something to be said, either the two extremes for the, for like a new club, if you're too successful, you become insufferable. And if you're too bad, you become like way overly defensive. I mean, although Minnesota was pretty bad and I'm pretty sure, but I think remember we exceeded Grant Wall's expectations. We, by, Twice we had twice as many wins as thought. Like like Minnesota's opening games were terrible, but I think that. I mean, I guess I wouldn't know if Minnesota fans were really. I, I think it's right? really because that like you you have you have some pretty big, uh, loud people in the Minnesota fan base like Bruce or whatever who kind of uh, direct the direct the the mood toward a particular attitude. I think Minnesota fans are for the most part, and I've heard this from non-Minnesota people that are for the most part, like, not that bad online. Like, here's, we have here's our what I'll say. But. Austin has got promise. I think their fans could be really irritating. Of all of the other... Like, oh, yeah, like, they seem like, like they I may gave, be cool. No, they're total fuckwads, yeah. I, no, <laughs> I, gave, I gave all the, all the um, teams that have yet to play... Uh, a, just a generic five rating mm-hmm. um, for for like atmosphere because you know it would be unfair to give them a ten or something. And I would say that all the St. Louis fans were like, oh, like they got it immediately. They were like, that's a real, you know, we're, like a couple of them were like, this is a, you know, this has inspired me to make sure that we get up, you know, to that top echelon. Mm-hmm. And I and like multiple Austin fans were like, "You gave us a five? <laughs> I'm like, "You haven't? You lit? What are you talking about? What What am I supposed to base it on? You know? I mean, they did like they didn't they didn't pick up on it. They didn't they didn't get it at all. And they were just outraged that I might give them this placeholder number. Uh, so, you know? And uh, I don't know. I mean, I just, I just, I just get a kick out of the fact that people really value your opinion, and so that's why they get no right, right. <laughs> Random person who nobody, you, person. You, you don't, you have no clue who they are, posts a random graph on I, the internet. I love the people idea. People just get real like, mad about some it. Some guy on the internet did this thing, and they're like, "Oh, this is not objective and data based." And like, uh, did was this a double blind? Did you was, was, <laughs> did you go to all the stadiums? So oh, whoa! Is this is this and, your opinion? Yeah, or then, did you like do a, a weighted network analysis of every household in the uh, city? To, you know, there was the one LA Galaxy guy who was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe <laughs> LA Galaxy should be in the top five. And it was just like, "It's like really bad, like really." And then have, I, have I you watched by MLS like, in the past fifteen years? By like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Taking a, a screenshot of the uh, metro of the transit pass to get from downtown LA to Carson, and it was like you couldn't do it in less than two transfers, and uh, it's just like yeah. And what oh, I think like weird. people don't. I mean, a lot of people don't really have a good sense of like, and I don't. I don't claim to like be the arbiter of where all cities are like objectively. But like, a lot of people are like, "Oh man!" But it's like twenty minutes from the blank district, and I'm like, "I don't know, you know that that doesn't mean anything to me." Like, you know, your trendy district with a couple of microbreweries might be famous locally, but every city has one of those. Like, you know, it doesn't make your city. You know, yes. I, I, I trust me. I'm aware that your city has breweries. Yeah, yeah they all have breweries and coffee shops. That that you you inspired me to make fun of all cities. But <laughs> I just um, any any field or any stadium that's based that has turf for soccer gets like a negative 100. Oh, might be, so yeah. all the Seattle people are like, how how dare you say that you know Lumen Field is anything but a world class venue? And it's like, a it has turf, turf. that everybody complains about. B, you tarp off half of the stadium for every game. You know, C, the, your your stands, you can't have, 
you can't hang TIFO because you don't have the setup for that. You know, I'm sure it's a great stadium. It's great that you pack 30,000 people in it. But if the whole stadium burned down tomorrow, would you rebuild it exactly as it is today? No, of course you wouldn't. You would yeah. build something different. So don't turf. tell me your stadium's a 10. It's bad. Any, any stadium that has turf in it, it just needs to go away. It was so funny that every, like, no, almost nobody, the only, there were only two fan bases that changed my mind. Um, and it was like a specific technical issue. But for the most part, people were really objecting to like a really small, like, oh, I can't believe that was a, an eight. It should be a nine. You know, it's like, these are just numbers. Okay. Like, it's like, okay, I'll give you a nine. Fair, I, are you happy? I, yeah. Right. Don't care. Uh, uh, one thing I, that did tick me off was when uh, people were talking about Allianz and there's, I forget who it was that said something regarding um, seeing drug deals oh yeah people were like it's a bad neighborhood <laughs> like it's a bad neighborhood and then i was like i was like well i've seen drug deals in parking lots in edina in prairie <laughs> lake lake lake, lake I, I mean everywhere like I mean, everywhere there was right? like, a murder right there, and i'm like there was a murder I, a block away from the stadium during a game once <laughs> so it's, i mean i'm a big midway booster i love it uh but you know there are some but yeah, but if we're basing yeah. that after of what that person said about drug deals, I mean, I've seen that stuff happen everywhere. So it's yeah. not like it's yes, and everywhere is not safe. Like I mean, Highland would be totally unsafe, right? And it is totally unsafe. Yeah, my my big thing is that I love that every single one of your rankings is one through ten, except for the building at Yankee <laughs> Stadium is minus five. That is so fantastic. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, it's like. It's not even a soccer. It's not and I even bet a you, rectangular stadium. And I bet you no I one have, from New York City complained at all. They're like, "Yeah, my, that's fair." My my dad went to some charity event and drew a prize, which was, which he, he chose on my behalf was club seats for a New York City FC versus Red Bulls game at Yankee Stadium, which was a blast. It was really fun. It was not a great way to watch a soccer game. You know, right up in the action, but you're only up in like part of the action because the field is slanted away from you. You can't the like the atmosphere is nothing because it's a baseball stadium and Tom Mitt built for this. I mean, it's yeah. it's really a joke that they've been playing for five six years now and they still haven't gotten a new stadium. Um. Jim at New School says, Alex, please further deepen your analysis by telling us your top five tailgating experiences, not in spite, but because you're not a, a tailgate guy. I mean, I don't have many tailgating experiences. They're all at the Nestle with the <laughs> sure. exception uh, of... Uh, KC? Did you of uh, once in... Uh, oh, yeah, KC. Oh, KC was great because we had... Um, I forget what it's called now. It's either Oklahoma Joe's or Joe's Kansas City Barbecue. What, like what did you give name, them right? for accessibility? Was that a negative five? <laughs> it was close. I think I gave a, a, a three. Yeah. No, I, I we also had a tailgate in New England, which was which was fun. Um, that was before the um, the infamous Fadim Demidov part three game. Oh yeah. Uh, no, that was a that was a blast. But but then there there was a there was a guy who was insisting that the uh, Gillette Stadium is like a top MLS venue because it's there, there is one bar within walking distance and the tailgating is great. It's like, oh my God. dude, they have four miles of parking lots to sit in. <laughs> so Christian Fitchett, I'll close on this. Would I would like a ranking of the most controversial rankings from the 55-1 has ever done. Thanks. I'll hang up now. Um, I would say like just... Just anything involved my nacho ranking, so I, I feel is yeah. pretty controversial. Nachos are bullshit, so that's controversial, I guess. But well, what about tachos? Sure, they're bullshit. See, yeah, wrong. Okay. Um, <laughs> and it, and what what is it? What is your most controversial top. position? My mine is that nachos are bullshit. Um, mine is that uh, sweet Martha's cookies. Are just overbaked pieces of garbage. Okay, yeah, that's I'm I'm with you on that though. I've only had one once and mm. it was garbage. It was like a, a shitty um, uh, what's the one with the elf? Who, oh, Keebler. Keebler. Oh, yeah. Keebler. It was so a, shi too. a shitty oh. Keebler elf cookie. Yeah, 
No, those are. I'm sorry, those are bad takes. Oh, okay. All right. What's oh, yours? Tell us a better one then. Ooh, that all transportation <laughs> should be done by um, maglev trains everywhere. Yeah. There we go. What's your worst? What's your worst one, buddy? Hit me. I don't know. Sorry. Okay. All right. Thank I'm you. I'm on the spot. I can't do it. Classic. All right. Well, <laughs> hey, it's been great. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to have soccer coming up very soon. So we're going to start doing the weeklies. But I have a few extra interviews that I've been doing. So I'll, I'll put those out maybe like Thursdays. And you can get to know some some of the people from the Twin Cities who I've been uh, just chatting with. Thank you, everyone. This is great. Um, I'm really glad that, uh, you know, springtime is here. Things are slightly less shitty. We've got Schieffer Decker on the podcast. Shreffle, Literally... Eight minutes ago, Andy Greeter, Minnesota United FC and Boca Juniors appear to have reached an agreement on forward Ramon Avila. Oh, well, you translation nice from at TYC Sports. Hmm. Sounds like wow. the loan could be towards the end of the breaking news on this podcast, which of course will not be breaking by the time that people listen to it. Hmm. All right. Well, great. Thank you for. Hey, we got a striker, guys. Who's not a beer can or you know a twenty-eight-year-old who actually is a forty-five-year-old? All right, kids. Well, that's the end of the podcast. We'll see you all soon. Thanks.